What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Stitches Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Luke Manderfeld. It's time to dive into this juicy offseason, and the hot stove has already been moving along these uh, this past week. We'll get into some of those moves. We'll talk about some of the free agents. We'll also be talking about those hometown Twinkies and maybe missing out on an opportunity. But Nick Budig and Robert Stangler are here with me. We go away right from the World Series and into some free agent deals and even some rumors of a lockout. Um, it's going to be a busy off season. Yeah, I mean, it, I'm I'm looking forward to it. If we uh, not the whole lockout part, I never that's never an exciting thing to look forward to. But uh, it's going to be, I think, just coming off the whole COVID season. I think it's going to be an interesting way people handle their free agents this year and who goes where. Like you said, we've already had some sort of big names going out, which is kind of early, but uh, there's a big list we can go over. Yeah, for sure. Robert, man, you've got your list down. You've dug into your off-season research. Is it going to be a good one, you think? I'm more intrigued by a lot of teams out there that could really spoil this whole thing that people aren't even going to be talking about enough. There's a lot of players in this, such as the Rangers, who are not even a competitive team right now, but they have a lot of money, and they could make this whole offseason a headache for a lot of big organizations like the Yankees. I just saw a report that they're interested in Starling Marte already, so they're already the Rangers to make moves. The Rangers, Starling Marte. Look it up. Oh, I thought that was Phillies for him. Interesting. Oh, that I didn't know anything about him being. Oh I'm my sure God, a lot of people Rangers. are. But I, yeah, I read about the wow. Rangers. Well, there you go. So, yeah, there you go, and uh, yeah, the, it's it's fun. It's happening early, but we haven't seen any, like, giant deals. The only one's been Eduardo Rodriguez to the Tigers. Um, that's the team that's on the come up. We'll have to talk about them this offseason in one of these episodes. But today we'll be focusing more on the free agents. Um, talk a little about the Twinkies, too, about Jose Barrios' deal with the Blue Jays. And then, uh, yeah, like I said, some free agents. Before we get to all that, just want to remind you on all the podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your audio, you can find us. We're on social media as Stitches Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And our email is thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. That's thestitchespodcast at gmail.com. So let's talk about the Twinkies a little bit since, you know, we like to riff on them every once in a while. But to me, this was a pretty, um, you know, big miss on their part. We had heard for the last year and a half that they couldn't reach a deal with Jose Barrios. The front office said that he wanted to go to the free he wanted to go to free agency, test the waters. Now we get the news today that he signed a seven year, um, you know, hundred whatever thirty mil something like that, where it's a uh, you know an average um, annual salary of eighteen million, about twenty million after his two years of arbitration. So that's actually not that much. I mean, Jose Barrios hasn't been anything amazing, but he's been you know the picture of durability he's had good stats he's actually pretty good with the blue jays in the second half too and he's been kind of a steadying force for the twins for for you know his young career so far and uh to me i think the twins missed out on this one i don't think they tried hard enough or they just completely have a different valuation of barrios what do you think Nick? Mm-hmm. yeah i think even before the trade i think we were we were talking about how it was kind of going to be either a Buxton or, or Berrios kind of thing. And uh, seeing what uh, Berrios signed for, I think it's hopefully we're going to see a Buxton, but uh, that's not a bad deal, like you said. I think that's a great deal for the Jays who are going to need pitching with Robbie Ray um, as a potential free agent, whether he stays or goes. So 
it's a it's a miss. We always hope that uh, we'll get a, a Rollis Chapman type thing, type thing with the Yankees, where you trade him away, then you resign him right away. Um, but it's a it's a I think it's a very team friendly deal for the Jays, especially for like you said, Barrios has been a durable guy. He gets he's not lights lights out over a season, but he's he's gonna pitch every game. He's gonna go out there and he's gonna whether it be a grind starter, he's gonna go seven quality innings. He's a it's a good quality pitcher for them for the next few years. Yeah, I think where I balk is the seven years, but sometimes you've got to put up when you have a, a pitcher like that. Rob, what do you think? I feel like you're always descend, you're a descender on these types of things, but what do you think of the deal? Usually I am, but I like Jose Barrios. I have for a while. I, I think it's just still funny to think about every time we talk about him, his changeup's not his best pitch, which is just so crazy to me because all the scouts, everybody thought his changeup was his best pitch in the minor leagues. And here he is with one of the best curves in the game, slider curve, whatever you want to call it, slurve. Jose Brios got a friendly deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. I think it was a smart move by Toronto. Like Nick said, losing Robbie Ray is a huge loss for now, let's say. But think, Jose yeah, Brios. They're in conversations with Ray, too, so they're not yeah, done. No, not even close. Toronto's going to be doing some, doing some moves. I think so. But Jose Brios coming back is just a big, is a big plus for them, extending him, keeping him. And I just think he's a good fit there. I think he likes that winning edge, that competitive side. And the Twins, I think they just – something about him, even Eddie Rosario when he was with Minnesota, it just they didn't get the best out of him. I don't think they got the full potential of their players. The stats don't tell the whole story. Sometimes it's makeup and the mentality, and I think Barrios' makeup is really showing in Toronto right now. And you don't see a lot of guys that go deep into games like Barrios. He's kind of one of the last mainstays where he pitches 200-plus innings every year. And – uh you know, there, there's value in that when a lot of teams are going the other way and going for short starts. So I think there is some something to be said for that. So that that's what we have on the on that deal. We don't want to talk too much about it because we got a lot of other things to go over. But yeah, I think the Twins missed out, man. And they got to sign Buxton. They got to make a move. They've got to sure up some of that core because they can't they can't turn into the Rays because they're not as good as the Rays when it comes to this stuff. You know. The Rays have a magical formula. They're so smart. The Twins aren't on that level. They gotta, they gotta lock up some of these core players. Plus, this isn't Tampa Bay. You know, Minnesota's a pretty passionate fan base. Sorry, Tampa Bay. Just Tampa doesn't have a big fan base. That's true. That's just a fact. So they don't really, and it, it partly is because they don't sign long-term deals and they don't really have players to watch. Minnesota's not gonna, you know, put up with that. Um, even though they did hate Joe Maurer when they signed him, but I thought that was cool. Still a fan favorite. Um, so let's go to free agents. There is a lot to talk about here. Um, you know, there's some big ones. There's some small ones that can make a big impact. And, you know, Robert, I alluded to you doing all the research on this. I think it's only fitting we start with you. When you were kind of, kind of going over this class, um, you know, who are the guys that stood out to you? Are there what? I mean, just give me your take on the class going into all right. Well, my first take on this is I think people are overrating the shortstop value here. I think you have to hit the ace market for the older guys, such as Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw. That's where the the free agency is going to be won. I don't think getting a shortstop at twenty seven, whether it's Correa, whether it's Seager whether it's uh, you know 29-year-old Javier Baez or Trevor Story. I just don't think that's where this market is. I think it's really lying in those three starting pitchers and how you attack and approach by getting them. I think if you can get those guys to two-year deals for a valuable price, you're in a win-mode mentality because those are the guys who are going to help you win in the postseason. Those shortstops could go cold 
when you need them most in the playoffs. I think starting pitching to me, the big aces, is the real big thing that people aren't talking about enough. And I think it's only because people are so worried about their age. But they are the best pitchers in the game, and they are there for a reason. And they are going to be signed to big-year deals. And I just think those 27-year-old shortstops might not even impact you in the playoffs in the next couple of years. Yeah, the shortstops are the you know the storyline, you know, with all the big market ones. And, um, you know, it's interesting about the starters because, you know, Verlander, we don't really know what you're going to get from him. I mean, he's probably going to be fine. Kershaw, he's got the long list of injuries. Scherzer's, I think, the only one that's a sure bet. I mean, he's good. Well, he's got his, he's got his, his injuries. They're kind of piling yeah. up a little bit over the past yeah. couple of years. I wouldn't, a little bit not of on the same plane, though. As those I mean, not, not, not Kershaw, but you can definitely tell there's, there's been stuff Scherzer's probably going to win Cy Young, right? So... We're talking about a guy who... Him or Burns. Yeah, him or Burns. So we're talking about a guy who's maybe having one of his one of the best pitchers seasons. in the game. I mean, guy's got to get paid. So Scherzer's like the creme la creme, as Robert likes to say. And uh, Verlander and Kershaw have some of their question marks. Whereas I think the shortstop market, you know, you talk about the age, I think that is a big factor. Yeah, well, I'll talk about injuries. I don't think they're as bad as some of those pitchers mm. in the ace market. So I, I would... They're just they're two different sides of the coins. It depends on what the team needs to. Right. Like if a team's not gonna be winning in the next two or three years, they're not gonna be signing Kershaw or Lander. And that's that's Kershaw. what I'm talking about. That's why I think the market, depending on how we look at it, if we want to look at the teams like the Tigers who are not quite there but they're close, those are teams that go over the Koreas, the Seagers, those kind of players. Whereas teams like the Yankees, they could dabble into that market because they need a shortstop. But at the same time, they have the depth right now where they could not even need a shortstop until the trade deadline. Well, let's dive into that shortstop class because that's the story of the offseason, a good place to start. Um, so big names here. We're talking Marcus Simeon, Trevor Story, Corey Seager, Carlos Correa, Javier Baez. You know, at one point, we're all the best shortstops in the games. You know, we're talking about Baez has fallen off a little bit. Oh, he did have a good second half. The top four there are still, you know, really, really good. Um who do you like out of this group? I, I know Robert's Trevor Story fan. I like Semyon. We all don't like Bias. But, I mean, I think who's going to get paid? Who's going to be the big dog in this class? I mean, it's 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 tough to really – I mean, for me to tell because, I mean, Marcus Simeon is the older one um, out of the – out of the those – those, that, that five. Um, but I think, to me, it comes down to either Correa or Seager. Uh, as good as story is, as good as his his career has been, he has that the the Coors Field effect, um, where his road splits aren't aren't great. Whereas Correa and Seager have hit away and home. Uh, Seager obviously isn't as good as a fielder as Correa, so I kind of lean towards Carlos Correa, um, just being just being the more complete player. Uh, he isn't as injured as Seager. He's played shortstop at a great great uh, rate. He's been on some winning on a winning Astros ball club. Um, and been in some great lineups. So I think Correa is going to be the one that gets the big deal uh, just because of, of, of what he's brought to uh, to the Astros and to that organization. Um, he's kind of was that big first-round pick that kind of was the start of the change for the Astros. So to me, it's Correa uh, just for being, the I think, to, in this class, the best all-around shortstop. And there's, there's a lot of teams looking for a shortstop, too. Um, you know, not, not to mention just the Yankees, but, um, you know, what? There's a few. I wouldn't say there's a lot. There's a few. I'm talking about there's some guys. There's some teams that are ready to to compete that have shortstop openings. So, um, I I like Corey Seager out of this class. I've always kind of liked him. 
Um, I think he does make sense for the Yankees just because he's a high contact guy and the Yankees have needed that for a few years, but we've talked about the Yankees before. We've talked about the Yankees before, how they they just don't seem to make the right moves. Or when they do make the right moves, players don't play well or whatever. Yeah, that Joey Gallo thing. Joey Gallo. But that move even, like, we liked it on the podcast, but you look in hindsight, like, the strikeouts and stuff. man. That's what I said. He struggles against AL East. So I think, uh, you know, Seager could be a good fit for them, and I think he... It's going to be him or Correa, I think, going to be the top top uh, paid shortstops in this class. I know Trevor Story might be the best historically, but, yeah, the home road splits are going to hurt him. They just are. No, I don't disagree. I think Carlos Correa is definitely going to get paid the most. I, I just think Carlos Correa, to me, I, I think people use this term superstar way too much because superstar, to me, is like your best player or one of your best players. And Correa, if you put him on most of these competitive teams right now, he might be a two or three best player on their team offensively and all around. And that to me is kind of concerning if you're going to pay a guy $300 million, which is what people are talking about for Carlos Correa. Could make about almost a 10-year 300 or a 10-year not 290. And I just don't think I would pay that kind of money for a second or third best player on the team. That's got to be my best player. I think when Correa is right and he's on the field, which is, yeah, you're right, question mark. I think he is the best player on the team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. He hasn't ever hit 30 home runs in a single season. That's my biggest problem, too. You want to talk about the full sample of size. The guy has never hit 30 home runs in a single season, and neither has Corey Seager. Superstars hit 30 home runs in a season. I think that's, I think that's a tough tell. That's a little too black and white for me. I don't know about that because those guys also get on base at a 400 clip. <laughs> These guys don't. It's not superstars. They're superstars because they play shortstop. That's the position, the premier position, a very good position. Don't get me well, wrong. Seager is questionable. But they're not defense, they're not yeah. the best players on their teams, and you're giving them $300 million? That's I have a huge problem with that. I mean, they're both they're coming not, from superstar teams. Right. Yeah, it's hard to be the best player on the Dodgers or Astros. But, but I mean, to go to the Braves, the best player on the Braves? No, Ronald Cooney is better. I'm just I'm just saying all these competitive teams have really good players who are actually superstars. I don't know if that's the argument that makes you know what I mean cuz just because you're not the best player on your team doesn't mean you're not worth the money. But 300 million. It's just that's because of their age too. Like I think you're going to have to start changing I get that, but I think you're going to have to start changing your mind on what 300 million looks like. I can't cuz I mean just... for for for, for even where, when we were growing up, I think the, the Joe Maurer deal was huge to us. And now that's honestly not that big of a deal. Yeah, $300 million, I think it's – we're going to start seeing some, some big contracts and I think some big especially deals. after this, this negotiation, the CBA and stuff, where I think the players are going to be trying to fight back and get a little more money out of the deals. So $300 million could mean a lot different now than in two months. So – I. I think it depends what three hundred million looks like because that could be over ten years and that's thirty million a year, which isn't that out of the crazy for a Correa. No, and I. But that's. I mean, that's what people are saying. Like Correa could get is either like an eight, ten year deal, because of like you said, his age. That's his main calling card is his age. And then I think that's not super crazy. Yeah, but he hasn't put out like I said a superstar season for me. He hasn't had a four hundred plus on base season with thirty home runs like Goldie or all those good guys. Like they just he just hasn't put out those numbers yet. So I have a hard. The only value that he has is his age. And where he's at shortstop, he's not an elite runner. He's an average runner. He is 
you know, great defensive shortstop, no doubt about it. And I think he can hit and he doesn't strike out. He's got all the potential to be a really good player. He just hasn't had it yet. So you're paying for the potential of him being a superstar versus he was a superstar. And, like, I know how people are nowadays in this market. They like to value guys going into their prime years and expecting them to just dominate and do well. That doesn't always happen. And Correa has many, many leg injuries to go with that big contract that he's going to get paid. I just think a team like the Astros, for example, don't even want to balk at that. Shouldn't even have to worry about that. I think Houston might be out of this. I will say I like Seager's history better than Correa's in terms of consistency. You know what you're going to get with, with Seager. A high contact, high on base guy. Not a ton of power, but the potential for some power. Is that worth $30 million? Maybe in today's market, I think well, it is. Well, plays at Yankee Stadium. I mean, definitely does. Like, I mean, we're talking a guy who he almost had a few. Talk about the 400 on base mark. He almost had yeah. that this year. See? That's closer. He had 394. So that's why I yeah. like Seager a little bit better than Correa in my mind. But. And his power is also made up into his home runs. If he's not hitting home runs, he's got doubles. So... He makes up his power. What do you guys think? You know, the the question marks in this class, Javier Baez, interesting to me. Because, you know, everyone loves him as Cubs fans. But, you know, in reality, he's not super great. You know, he doesn't get on base at all. I think his defense is a little bit overrated because he's flashy. And, you know, he's got power. He had a good second half with the Mets. But, obviously, the Mets were struggling big time. I think he's going to get hurt a lot by this season in terms of what his value is. Spot track has him at 24 mil. I think two years ago we were talking about thirty mil plus for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's just he's so. I mean, you can tell how athletic right or wrong, he is. Robert. That no, I mean that's. I still think twenty four is even a lot right now for him. But again, I just I value players way differently. I value them for the realism of who they are as a player, their makeup, their value of who they really are on the field and off the field, and what they do production wise. I don't pay for the market of them. That's not my. That's not my mo. Just want I think we all that. agreed before the podcast you'd be the perfect raised GM. Yeah, exactly. I pay I pay for no the absolute value deals. of a player. No, that's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. I'll do long I'll do long term deals, but it's just the makeup of a player to me is just so undervalued in this stuff and Baez does not have great makeup. He's a cocky person. I don't want that in my clubhouse. He's just way too cocky. Yeah, he's yeah, way too cocky. Who, people who were saying that the thing about booing the fans or whatever people said that wasn't gonna hurt his value, but it just doesn't it doesn't help his image. I mean, everything is marketing, right? And he's just it's just a bad, bad, you know, look for him. Coming off a bad season, I just I don't think he's that great. And I yeah we've all we've all talked about him before on his podcast. That's why we don't have any Cubs fans listening. But he's just not good, man. He's just not that good. And he's really just power. I mean that's all it is. I and I think just like what you said, the defense is just flashy. I mean he's got good speed, but if he's, he's got good on defense under speed, yeah, but it's not like the best in baseball. Some people, but that's no. not going to warrant you a thirty million dollar year contract. No. no, it's yeah, it's a little. I mean, he came up and he was so exciting and the power is there and everything. But uh, I mean, he he can play multiple positions. I think that helps him. But other than that, it's thirty mil a year for him, or or even twenty five. I think is going to be a stretch. Coming, I mean, he's had some bad seasons, some bad average i know that's kind of a, a, a an ancient kind of stat to consider but that goes with his on base well, percentage on base, striking yeah. out he's a and career 307 just, on base i mean that's yeah, just it's, bad it's not something that uh you'd want to spend a 10-year 300 million contract on his career ops plus is 104 which is a little bit above average 
Like, believe it or not. And people are treating him like a superstar. What is Okay, so what is his career OPS plus with that versus Eddie Rosario's? Because Eddie Rosario's career stats have got to be so similar to Javier They're Bias. probably similar. Let me look it yeah. up. Yeah. But then that's that's what I mean. Like, Eddie Rosario gets slept under the rug. And then I think here's the Bias defense is separated there, but I get it. It is, saying. but I'm talking about the bat itself. I'm talking about the value here. Valuing the player. He's the a 98 OPS plus. Yeah, so not that far. Or out. no, 108. So there, there you, go. you go. Better. So, yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised by that. Baez isn't anything special. No, I'm not either. It just goes to show that Baez is not that valuable. No, and he actually led the NL in strikeouts in 2021. Wow. Shocker. Shocker. First time in his career. That surprises me. So where would uh, you Marcus see him Simeon. going then? Mark, Marcus okay, Simeon go had a good year too, and he's uh, you know, not undervalued, but not getting talked enough in this class because um, you know, two of the last three years – 2020 was a bad year, also a weird year for a lot of players. He's proven that he can hit and play a pretty good, you know, middle infield. I like him a lot. I like him a lot better than Bias. So I don't. I hope he's not slept on. That's all I'm saying. I yeah. I think he's more complete than Bias. I think he's obviously you can see that he's been willing to to change his game. Obviously, when he came up with the Sox, he was just an awful fielder, just absolutely terrible. And then he goes to Oakland and and becomes elite. He doesn't strike out as much, and then he obviously finishes career in Oakland, goes to finish his Oakland career, and then goes to the Jays and tears it up and cuts down on, on, on strikeouts, ad walks. He just becomes a better hitter, and I think it's just a willingness to to be that person. And to me, I think he's so slept on because he kind of he obviously played for Oakland, which is always a slept on team. They never notoriously can ever really call them F superstars just because of the mantra of Oakland and then he goes to the Jays where he's the 30 year old the ancient player on that that young team that has a bunch of future Hall of Famers so I think it's just he's a little bit older than these guys but I think I agree with you I think he's right now I think he carries the the most single season value out of the the five but I think he's gonna want a long contract just as much as these guys are because he's gonna want to uh, uh some security for his future so that's that's to me that's the only only down downfall of him is is how many years is he gonna get if he's one of those late bloomers i think i want to go back to the bias things there's pots in my head and i'm just being a, a mad cardinals fan now but you know people talk like analytics with yadier molina maybe they should start talking analytics with bias and show us how bad of a player he is he's had two good seasons in terms of has Mal- has has bias ever thrown out a guy at second base i don't think so, catch your spot Mm-mm. I don't think so. got the, got you the make good on points. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on. So uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the lesser-known free agents. We talked about the starters. We talked about the big shortstops. Uh, I want to talk about some of the guys you like, some guys in the market that you think uh, we should be paying more attention to. Um, Robert, you kind you you might have some guys down there. Who are you picking? Yeah, I got one right now that I think is incredibly undervalued, and I think it's just because he's from Japan, and a lot of people are skeptical. But I'm going to tell you right now, Shohei Otani was one of the best players in Japan. Seiya Suzuki is one of the best players in Japan right now. He is 27 years old. He has put up ridiculous 400 on base, 30 home run, that superstar status, status that I was talking about. 100 walk guy. He has a 16 strikeout rate to 16 walk rate. He is ridiculous. A lot of scouts have compared him to AJ from AJ Pollock to um, trying to th- obviously Garcia is another one I've heard 
which is kind of a low comp, I think. He has a 70-grade arm. He's a guy that I think has potential if he puts it all together, is able to find comfort in the USA, and has just made his hitting mechanics a living with the high fastball because he's very good at hitting high fastballs. If he can catch up to the high fastball and get the velocity going with his bat, because he has good bat speed also, he could become the next George Springer. And I think people are undervaluing him at only $55 million for five years, so it's about 11 mm. or $10 million a year. And this guy, I'm telling you right now, a lot of a lot of scouts, I saw some stuff they were saying. He could be a 3-4 hitter in a lineup. I think he profiles better at leadoff or batting second. But 3-4 from Japan, that wasn't Tsugo. Tsugo wasn't batting 3-4. This guy, Seiya Suzuki, is, one of, the, like I said, one of the best in Japan. And this guy's getting slept under the rug when he has immense five-tool potential. And I think a team like the Rays are probably trying so hard to get him, even though they don't have a lot of money. They have been talked about for so long. They need another great outfielder. I think Seiya Suzuki could fit in in so many teams, and I think he's probably the most underrated free agent right now in baseball. Hey, I think his market's interesting. I I, I like him a lot. Mm -hmm. It's going to take him a year or two to adjust, but he's 27, Exactly. That's always the problem, right? Yeah, he's just 27. He's 27, yep. which is and like that's the really time young. to get him. That's the time to get him. Um, and he's he's not tied. the The issue with that is when Otani came over, he was kind of tied to the posting system where he could only get the max, which was like 20 mil or something like that. Suzuki's not tied to that, so teams can bid whatever they want. So he's gonna the contract's gonna go a lot higher than. So I think that's what's kind of driving the the underrated factor. But I agree with you, man. I'm excited to see what he can do in the major leagues. We just we have a history of Japanese hitters coming over we and not do, finding success, but, but we not don't. not a guy at this caliber. Coming no, over. and that's the thing. Japan doesn't give up these kind of guys usually. Exactly. They yeah, don't. I think that's the the other. I think because I mean, watching him last year, I think was the concern if he was going to even get posted. We saw how good he was last year, and then it's always the oh, they're not going to post him until he's like thirty four or something. And he's going to be too old. He's going to just be a clogger. But twenty seven. I mean, I've seen five for a hundred for him. Um, which is I think is a good market value for what he's going to produce. I absolutely love him too. He was a big name on my list, um, pretty much for all the reasons you said. And I think it just comes down to the comfort level. I think we've seen guys come over and it's just I mean you're in a new country. You've never been. You've never lived here before. And I think that's the, the really the big concern. So, I mean there might be a, a, a west 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 division that that's calling him name calling his name right now. So. I like him a lot, but uh, a guy I was kind of big on coming in is uh, I feel like I'm always kind of keen on these guys, but Chris Taylor from the Dodgers, he's kind of a late bloomer. He's uh, plays everywhere on the field. Um, he's going to be 31, but he he played for, for the Dodgers, a winning ball club. He came over there kind of like Marcus Simeon went over to the athletics and just turned into a – to kind of – he. Simeon turned into a superstar. Taylor's kind of turned into this, this one of the best role players in the game. Um, so to me, I think Taylor is is a guy that should, people should watch out for. Like I said, he can play infield. He plays outfield. If a team needs a shortstop in a pinch, I mean, he can play shortstop. He has a great bat. He has a clutch bat we've seen in the playoffs. So, I mean, to me, I think Chris Taylor is a big, big free agent team should be looking at um, just for his role, just for what he's brought, his character. Um, 31, he's been around the team. He's been around the league. So... To me, Chris Taylor is a, a name to watch out for in the free agency this year. And, and he just turned down the qualifying offer, so he is officially a free agent too. So, you know, the Dodgers thought enough of him to offer him one year 18 mil, so that shows what his market could be. Um, I got I like not getting a lot of fanfare. 
even on spot track, you know, their market value firm is pretty low. I like Kyle Schwarber. I think he put up a very impressive season. If you look through the numbers, you know, 374 on base percentage, 32 home runs, 127 strikeouts, which is really low for him. Like he cut down on those strikeouts, walked a lot more, and we saw the power he's always had. But when he was with the Red Sox, the dude actually went off. He was huge for their run, you know, their postseason run on the stretch there. We're talking about 435 on base percentage and 168 plate appearances, seven home runs. Um, Spotjack has him at $12 million market value. That's really, really low, really low. He also turned down a qualifying offer. So um, I like him a lot. I think he can add a lot to a lineup. And we made fun of Joe Madden for leading him off back in the day, but he's kind of turned himself into an on-base guy and maybe a leadoff guy or at least a top-of-the-order guy. Um, the only thing is the defense. So you got to kind of, maybe if you have a DH slot open or if you're okay with some bad defense, you know, in the corner outfielders, you deal with it. Um, I think he's underrated though. People aren't talking about him. He had, he had a career year. I, I was going to say Eduardo Rodriguez cause I do like Eduardo Rodriguez a lot, but he already got signed. So I think he had a lot of bad luck. We're talking about, about a guy who had a FIP almost a point lower than his ERA. So. And the Red Sox defense was one of the worst defense, was the worst defense in baseball. I can remember, like, in my brain, like, three starts where he was just bit by his defense. Maybe you guys can, too. Just terrible. Oh, I think, yeah. That's, it's a rough. And he's also was side. very inconsistent. And so I think if he can work on that a little bit, he could be a lot of value for the Tigers. He's going to be thrown to a good catcher. Exactly. Tucker Barnhart, man, that dude's a beast. One of the best catchers in the game. Mm-hmm. Pitching in a bad division too is going to add his value. Yeah, Tigers it won't be bad for that champs. long. It's still going to be bad. It's going to be worse than the American League East, though. Like, come on. Well, yeah, it's still bad, <laughs> yeah. but like the Royals are on the come up. Yeah, the but White Sox uh, are there, but the Twins yeah. will probably. Twins literally have two starters right now, so we're done. Joe Ryan and Bailey Ober, and that's it. Indians finally have a new hitting coach after a hundred years. Not the Indians. Guardians have a new hitting yeah, coach. Guardians. We're going to catch ourselves on that a lot. A lot. It's like when Miami Marlins became. Oh gosh. I kept For, saying Florida, Florida every Marlins. single time. Yeah. But now it's just common. We'll get used to it. Um, any other free agents? Uh, want to go over? I think you know we covered a lot. There's a lot of free agents out there. I think the market. You know, there's some players that are just trying to jump at this before the CBA expires in a couple weeks. But well, I think can we the talk majority about of the Syndergaard real quick? I want to know what your guys' take on that. Who's 21. that? I want to know what you guys take on that Syndergaard the 21 deal. Yeah, one what do you year? think of that take? I think it's a perfect Angels deal. Yeah. So well, bad, doesn't make any good. Sense. Doesn't make any I'm sense. really 50-50 yeah. on it. One, it's one year. So, wow, if he hurts you, it's one year. The other hand, it's it's the Angels, and they literally just sign sketchy pitching every year. That's just what they do. And it's 21 mil, which is a lot. For a guy who's pitched two innings in two years, last two years. So watch them go out and get Granky and just have the sketchiest rotation again. They'll probably go and get like Alex Wood to be even more sketchy. Wow, that's what they do, man. It's just <laughs> what they just need to learn their lesson. And I was talking about this in our in our Facebook chat today. You know, they valued offense so much these last ten years. But it's a tried and true formula. You gotta have really good starting pitching to win a World Series. I mean they they draft all their draft picks this past year, starters or pitchers. True. I mean, the Braves this year were kind of an exception where their starting wasn't amazing, but that's because the other side of the fence didn't have great starting either. 
Like we're talking about the Astros and Braves just had thin rotations and that and that's yes. what happened. It was hitting for days. It was hitting for days, yeah. So that's yeah. the exception. But for the most part, if you look at World Series winners, you can point to that rotation and say that's a really, really good rotation. Just how it is. So true. I want to leave you guys on one more note here on a really big sleeper that I, I being a Diamondbacks fan, I highly doubt it's going to happen. But I think this guy would be a perfect fit for the rotation because he's kind of a stopgap for some of their younger guys like Widener, who I think still needs to figure out a little bit whether he's in the bullpen or not. But how about Brad Peacock at 33 years old? I know he's had his health problems, but he was a very, very good pitcher a few years ago. You can scoop him up for one year, three mil. I think the Arizona Diamondbacks would take advantage of that. I'd like to see him just maybe something can come out with the new pitching coach with Brett Strom, you know, Peacock Strom. You never yeah. know. So I'm thinking maybe. I think there's something there, but eh. we'll see. You guys are going, eh. Well, we'll they could see. get him for cheap, so I guess go for That's it. That's what I'm saying. One year, three mil. He well, I don't think re- Arizona's going to do He much. hasn't been relevant in like three years. That's the issue. Yeah, he went to Boston. He got hurt and this and that. Like, I know. But the thing is, Strom's going to be there. He knows him. You know, yeah, Arizona's not got it's, nothing to it's, lose. It's kind of a scary thing. I don't think they have nothing to lose, so go for that's it. That's I mean, yeah. Build some they value and trade lose. him. But yeah, why don't they just go for I'm Robbie thinking. Ray? Bring Robbie Ray back. No, that's no. Nah, they're not ready for that yet. They're still like five <laughs> years away. Yeah, they're like twelve years away from that. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that was fun. So we'll be we'll be monitoring the market uh, over the next few weeks. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about some potential lockout stuff here in the next few weeks too, because that's heating up as well. But thanks for tuning in today. We'll be here every week. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play Music, wherever you get your audio, you can find us. We're on social media at Stitches Pod on Facebook and Twitter. And your email is dstitchespodcast at gmail.com. All right.